Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. Halloween might be behind us for another year, but if you're anything like me, that hasn't curbed your appetite for the dark and twisted. Obviously, you've got your weekly dose of audio horror monstrosities from Tales to Terrify to keep your spine tingled, but how about a little extra classic camp in your ears? Our very own Andrew Gibson has been doing some readings for a pretty interesting project. A little something called Encyclopocalypse. What is Encyclopocalypse exactly? Well, it's a website, YouTube, and podcast channel dedicated to digitizing and reproducing classic novels and novelizations across all genres, especially horror, from before the digital age. 
as well as new independent novels and new novelizations. As it turns out, this includes a lot of 80s horror paperbacks and other similar fun materials, turning them into ones and zeros and producing the audiobooks, all for your listening and reading enjoyment. So far, Andrew's recorded two stories for Encyclopocalypse. Ogre by Brian G. Berry, which he describes as where alien Sasquatches do alien Sasquatch things to people, and Brian's Birthday Bash, a wild and bloody night in the same vein as The Babysitter and other kids versus monsters tropes. You can check out these stories and many others over at encyclopocalypse.com. But I sense you're hungry for some horror right now. Let's satisfy that craving. We have one tale for you this evening, which comes to us from Carson Winter. Carson Winter is an author, punker, and raw nerve. He's a minimalist weirdo, a conversational absurdist, and a vehemently bleak-minded artist, making his home in the Pacific Northwest. You can find his stories in Vastarian, Apex, and the No Sleep podcast. His novella, Soft Targets, was released in March of this year from Tenebris Press. You can find him on Twitter at CarsonWinter3 or visit his website, CarsonWinter.com. Children of the Night, join me. For Carson Winters, we can only grow in the dark. A Tales to Terrify original. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The whole class, outside in the early morning chill, kneaded their tiny hands with neurotic intensity. 
Felicia cut in beside Mara and began to whisper. There's nothing we have to worry about, said Mara, and as if to prove it, she looked up at the great black shape in the sky. Felicia shivered. Mara, she said, don't. But Mara kept staring upward, her eyes focused on the shape. I'm not afraid of it, she said simply. Orphans don't get scared. It's our superpower. But you're only a half-orphan, so maybe you... The bell rang, and Miss Harris ushered them in with unusual urgency. Hurry, she said. Quick, quick. Felicia looked to Mara, but Mara only shrugged. A television had been wheeled to the front of the class. The children were seated hastily, and after a long, taut pause, Miss Harris clasped her hands. She wrung them so tight together that blood drained from her knuckles. Her hands looked like bones. Well, class, she said, this is a special day. This is the sort of day that none of us are adequately prepared for. Another pause. We just don't really know what to do. Of course, it's good that you're here to be safe, but, well, well. Again, she struggled for words. It was unlike Miss Harris, a tall and taciturn older woman who knew schooling like the back of her skeletal hands, to be at a loss. Something, something has happened. There's been an incident. Many people are dead. This was an attack, we think. That's all we know. I think that about covers it, yes. You're going to remember this day for the rest of your lives. Miss Harris turned the television on and sat wordlessly at her desk. Felicia closed her eyes. For a moment, she considered raising her hand, asking if her mum could come and pick her up. Maybe Mara could come too. But when it blinked to life, she was allowed no escape. We are in the dark here, just like everyone, said the newscaster. The White House hasn't scheduled any press conferences. We just know the object, or device if you prefer, crashed. Another voice cut in. Well, let's not jump to conclusions. We don't know that it was a crash. We're applying too much of our language and worldview to properly articulate the event. This object, device, or yes, ship, didn't necessarily crash. It fell to Earth, causing minimal damage to its environment, and then broke apart. We, from our own understanding of our own ships and our own physics, will say that this looks like a crash. But until we know more, it is only a resemblance. Felicia felt a hand touch hers, gently, surreptitiously. Folded paper slipped into her palm. Miss Harris was looking out the window, at the sky, her eyes wide and red. As the men on the television continued to dissect the possibilities of the crash, or not crash, as it were, she unfolded the note carefully. To Felicia, from Mara. Skip? Check yes or no. Felicia stuck her tongue out the side of her mouth and beneath yes or no, she added maybe. She drew a red circle around her addition, checked to see where Miss Harris' attention was drawn, then passed the note back. She looked straight ahead to maintain her ruse to not draw attention to herself. It was a secret she learned from Mara. Eyes straight ahead, 
Don't go looking around with googly eyes like you want the attention. Mara said that if you act like you're guilty, they'll never leave you alone. The newsman touched his ear. I'm getting word that we need to go off the air. I'm sorry, but they've given me the signal. We can't talk about this any longer. We need to go off the air. He looked like he was going to keep talking, keep saying, we need to go off the air. But before he could repeat himself again, the television let out a short siren, then switched to a blue screen that read, We are sorry for the inconvenience. Felicia smiled because the message was sort of funny, like something they'd say at the grocery store. She wanted it to be funny. Sometimes laughing just makes everything easier. She let out a weak chuckle, a pale shadow of relief, low enough that no one would turn to look at her. Miss Harris pulled the blind shut. That's better, Felicia thought. Not quite sure how it was better, only that it was. The television was wheeled away by a tense custodian, and the students cringed as its wheels screamed on rusty axles. I'm afraid there isn't anything to do today, said Miss Harris, still staring at the covered windows. Use this time to read or draw quietly. For the next two hours, the class worked itself gradually from dead silence to a deafening crescendo. Children wondered aloud if this meant war. They spoke with shaky voices, trying to make sense of the insensible. Miss Harris allowed this, perhaps, because it was a special day, because there would be no other day like this in the history of their lives. Felicia and Mara sat huddled in a corner, drawing violent deaths. Mara drew dead women who looked like her mother, with knives in their stomachs, their necks garroted with piano wire. If anyone asked, she'd say she saw it in a movie. She drew killers who looked like her father. Whenever Felicia brought this up to her own mother, she was only told, Mara's going through a tough time right now. Yeah, but I went through a tough time too. Yes, honey, I know. But this is worse. They drew dead people until the bell rang. Miss Harris exhaled long and hard as if she'd been holding it the whole morning. All right, lunchtime, she said. Please, be cautious. So, are you going to do it? The two girls walked together, away from the cafeteria, to the empty baseball field, where no one stood for fear of what could fall on them. Felicia shrugged. I don't know, she said. Should we do it today? She kept looking up. The black shape had moved considerably since she last saw it. It was now touching the far edge of the sun. Mara shook her head. You're always afraid. Felicia pushed her friend. I'm not, she said. I just don't know if today's the right day. You'd rather go home to see your mum? This thread existed between them, and when Mara was in a mood, she couldn't help but tug at it. Felicia dodged the subject. What do you want to do anyways? Mara quickened her pace to where the wire fence met the edge of the baseball field. Felicia figured she was doing one of her Mara things, rattling her chains and brooding, 
but she was actually pointing. You see that there? What? The church. Is that a church? That's what the older kids call it. I think it used to be one a long time ago. Felicia squinted, following Mara's finger. She could see it on the edge of downtown. It didn't have a pointy steeple like the churches she knew. It might as well have been a used car lot, or a convenience store, or an old bank. She was happy to talk about this old building, though. It was a welcome distraction. Why do they call it the church? she asked, too eagerly. I don't know. So, why do you want to go there? Mara turned to her, eyes alight. I had a dream about it. Felicia nodded. Mara had more dreams than any girl she'd ever met. For someone who couldn't bring herself to start an essay, she wrote more about her dreams than Felicia ever did on assignments. Felicia was fascinated by Mara's peculiarities, emulating them when she could. She wanted to study them, to know them so wholly that they felt like her own. Mara cleared her throat, as she always did when she talked about her dreams. For her, dreams were a religion, a looking-glass to a fairer world. Felicia waited patiently for Mara to complete her ritual, to affect her teacher's voice. I dreamed I was in bed. I didn't think it was a dream at first, you know? I just thought I woke up in the middle of the night. The window was open and I was cold, so I got up. But it was a dream. I went to the window and looked up at the sky and everything looked different. Like yellow-greenish, like there was pollen everywhere in space and it was falling down to earth. Weird, right? Felicia tried to sound unbothered, to not look up. Yeah, weird. Was that it? No. As it got closer, it started to, like, form together. The pollen, no, the spores. Somehow I knew that they were spores. They all started to form together, like long strands of hair, and they all gathered like they were attracted to each other. These long hair strands of spores twisted down from the sky, and they went to six different houses. To six different kids. Like Santa, kind of, said Felicia. Mara grinned fiercely. Not like Santa at all. She looked up to the black thing in the sky that had just begun to eclipse the sun. She looked at it too long, too steadfastly. Felicia's stomach dropped. She tried to refocus her. What about the church? Absently, Mara said. I opened my mouth and the spores went down my throat. I could feel them buzzing in my lungs like a swarm of bees. My bones felt sticky. Everything in me felt weird and heavy and not real, but I knew it was a dream because I wasn't hurt. I just felt different and connected. I felt connected, too, to the six other kids. All the spores in my body made a picture of the church in my head. I bet they did for the others, too. She stared off into the distance, smiling. So, I want to check it out. 
The bell rang in five short bursts. But you said it was a dream. It was. And? Mara jogged ahead, away from the school, off to the sidewalk. I don't know, she said. But it's better than this, right? Felicia saw her friend disappear ahead of her. She looked back to the school. They were already lined up with more oppressive whispers and more white knuckles. Miss Harris was counting them, but halfway through she stopped using her fingers and just waved them in tiredly. You coming? called Mara. Felicia looked to her friend. She wondered what she was going to tell her mum. Surely one skip won't ruin me, she thought. I've earned it, all things considered. She turned to her friend. This wasn't for me, mum, she practised. I did it for Mara. She needed me. She ran to catch up, her heart skipping as it did. She wanted to be excited. This should be exciting, she thought. When they were down the block and the chatter of students died with distance, Mara's face was bright and cheery. The church was down at the end of Maine, past downtown, stretching to the outskirts where the road merged into the two-lane that led to the countryside. She looked up to see the black thing that was moving at a glacier's pace. It had partially eclipsed the sun now, covering half of it. It was only lunchtime, but everything around her looked dead and empty and dark. She couldn't avoid it any longer. Is that one of the things that crashed? Who cares? Felicia swallowed. I just want to know. It's just going to give them what they deserve. It won't matter, not to us. They trekked on, and soon the empty stores became empty lots. Empty lots became rocky earth and weeds, and then, when the sidewalk cracked and became nothing but earth and pebbles, there was the church. This is it. It was a rectangular building, made of rotting wood. Now that she was closer, she could see the specks of white paint that clung to its exterior. It stood lonesome and decayed on the furthest reaches of town, in the middle of a large, dusty lot. There were windows to the church, but they were all broken. Like eye sockets without eyeballs, the church stared blindly at the road that passed it. Can we even go in? I mean, is it open? It must be. Remember my dream? Where are the others, then? Mara laughed. I might be early, she said. Or late? Are you sure we should be doing this? Today? People might be worried. I think something big. Do you think they cared when they put me in a foster home? She snapped. Felicia stopped. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... Mara shook her head. Forget it. Let's check it out. Above, the black shape drifted further, muting the sun's rays. The whole town was silent. The crunch of earth beneath their sneakers seemed to Felicia the loudest thing she'd ever heard. She imagined the sound reverberating up to the sky, where the black shape listened. The thought unsettled her. Whatever was up there made the hairs on her arms stand up.
like static electricity. The door to the church was old and thin, and it flew open when Mara pushed it. She squealed in delight at the loud clap it made as the hinges sent it flying into the wall. Wow, she said, more to herself than Felicia. The place could have been a church, the same way any building could be called a home. There were no features that made it feel like one place or another, just a large white space with paint-flecked pillars. There was a red couch with patches of fabric missing, yellow foam spilling from its wounds. There were beer bottles, empty, lined against the far wall. The smell of stale urine and salt permeated the air. It's not what I expected, said Felicia. Mara crossed her arms. It's exactly what I expected. Felicia didn't want to know what Mara meant. We've seen it. It's just an old building, she said, making her voice light. Just a dumb old building. But Mara kept walking. It's just like my dream, she said. She turned to Felicia, raising a finger to her neck, tracing the path of her esophagus. I can feel them. Another voice, soft and young, came lilting through the floorboards. You had the dream too? It sounded like the voice of a little boy, a child, not too much younger than them. Mara stepped on tiptoes, her hands cupping her ear. Who's there? she asked. The voice, as cold as river water, said, My name's Tommy, but there's others here too. Mara searched for the source of the voice. Am I the last of us? A new voice spoke up, a girl this time. We've been waiting for you. What does that mean? asked Felicia. Mara turned to her friend, her eyes wide and hopeful, her hands outstretched, beckoning. Come on, Fee, she said. Felicia started backward, to the door. What does that mean? A voice, from the floor. Another girl. She's not supposed to be here, you know. Felicia looked to the floor. She closed her eyes, and for just a moment, she thought she could hear them breathing from the shadows. Then... Is she here to help us? You should come down here with us. Yes, come down here. It's so much better in the dark. Do you hear them too? Do they talk to you? We're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. They said they'll take us to see the stars. The voices came all at once, excitable, babbling over each other like old friends. Mara looked down at the floor. How do I get to you? The door, said one of the voices. And then they were all shouting it from the floorboards. The door, the door, the door! It was just a square cut into the floor on hinges. Felicia thought it looked like one of those trapdoors magicians use. It fell open, whooshing in the blackness. Mara was at the opening before Felicia could even speak. Then she was climbing in, disappearing. Mara, wait, she said finally. You don't know what's down there. She took a step toward a friend. 
Mara's head was all that remained above the floor. I was hoping you'd go with me. She can't. She wasn't chosen. I could choose her, maybe. I bet we could turn her if we wanted. Or maybe she could just help us. We could protect her. There was silence, jabbering from the black basement. Can you trust her? Of course I can trust her, said Mara. She's my best friend. Okay, okay. She has to stay up there. She can't see us until the sun goes out. Mara nodded. She looked at her friend. It won't be too long. That's part of the whole deal. I have to go down there and wait for a little bit. She sounded apologetic. I want you to wait for me. I want you to see what's coming. For the first time, things will be different, I guess. Felicia could only guess what that would mean. One black eye and Mara considered her an equal in suffering. Her friend took another step down toward the basement, and she could hear the other children breathing, excited, waiting. Welcome, Mara, they squealed. Outside, the sky darkened. Felicia stood alone in the church, frozen in place, listening to the children beneath the floorboards. They were tittering, speaking in rapid excitement. What are you waiting for? asked Felicia. One of the children answered. The dark. Oh. It's going to happen, finally. We're just waiting now. We just have to be patient. It's happening everywhere, you know. It's all kids, too. And now Mara's voice was amongst them, bright and fluid in the dark. I'm going to go back to my house after this, she said. Then I'm going to go back to school. Felicia paced above. I shouldn't be hearing this. She looked out the blinded eyes of the window and was disturbed to see that the sun was almost gone. Twilight's last seconds trapped her. The air was grey and cold, and now the silence had been broken. An image flashed in her head. Felicia, am I doing it? Felicia staggered above the children. She held her hands to her head. You're doing it! You're doing it! The other children squealed. She was running through the night, down the streets of another small town. The darkness let her grow in a way the sun never could. Felicia felt like she was going to vomit. Is this you? she asked. She fell down to the floorboards, and Mara whispered through them, her words like honey in her ears. No, she said, this isn't me. Not yet. A family huddled together, a bald man with a gun. Get out of here, get out of here, screamed the father. Muzzle flash, a brief, sharp pain, but nothing, teeth screaming, blood, iron in her mouth. Felicia gasped. Another scene. This time, they were together as one. She could feel Mara guiding her, pulling her along. They were in the same home. The mother and father were in pieces, their bodies torn limb to limb, their blood ran down Mara's throat. 
They stepped forward, their heads skimming across the ceiling. Oh God, Mara, please don't, don't hurt them. The kids were hiding under the bed. Mara knew this somehow, and because Mara knew this, so did Felicia. I would never hurt them. Mara reached out to touch them, the same way she reached out to touch Felicia. Suddenly, Mara could see inside of them. Felicia wanted to turn away. She saw them cowering, but on a different night, from a different monster. You see? They're just like me. The children were quaking, yes, and Felicia could see that it was true. She looked to the other room, breaking from Mara's vision for only a moment, to see the dead husband and wife. Their bodies intertwined in frozen panic. Intestines crawled out of the open wounds in their stomachs. They were white like chalk. Felicia wondered if Mara had seen her mother like that when her father had cut her throat. She wondered if she'd felt a thrill of resolution when he put the shotgun under his chin. The children scratched at their cigarette burns. Felicia did not know whether they were real, from the present or the future. But Mara talked to them anyway. It's okay, she said. You're safe. When Mara released her, she realized her head was resting in her own vomit. She had blacked out. Other beings danced within her skull. Are you sure you want her, Mara? I don't think she's like us. She wasn't chosen. Not everyone can be chosen. She stopped, listened, tried to stand. You saw it too. Her dad went to jail. What did your dad get? She was unsteady, but on two feet. She went to the window. He only hit her, just once. What did he do to you? A low hum. She put her hands on the windowsill as the children of the eclipse weighed her merits. She looked up to the sky. The black shape had overtaken the sun almost completely, leaving only a tiny sliver of yellow. Her heart dropped. She wondered if the televisions had come back on, if the news had started to report again. Mara? she said. The children quieted. Yes, V? The church seemed to insist upon her for some sort of action, for some sort of resolve. Uh, I... I don't know what to do, she said, and she realized her voice was shaking. It's different down here, with others like me. Her voice was soft and loud. It felt like her lips were right up against the bottom of the floor. They're right, I think. People like us, we can only grow in the dark. You, you... I don't know, Fee. I needed a friend to be here with me because I was scared. But now that I'm here... Felicia backed away, shivering. A lump was caught in her throat. Her eyes were wet. Okay, Mara, she said weakly. Okay, I'll go. She felt silly for crying. 
despite the sour fear that sloshed around inside her. She didn't want to stay with Mara, she realised. She just wanted Mara to want to stay with her. She backed out of the door and ran, hot tears stinging her red cheeks. The hum grew louder as the last bit of sun was swallowed by the shape in the sky. She raced down Main, past the empty storefronts, feeling a sense of awe as she did. Whatever was up there demanded the Forsaken. The afternoon had been devoured and now she could see a thousand stars jumping as she ran harder and farther from the church. She realised where she was running just as soon as she got there. A safe place, imperfect as it was. She ran up the front steps and swung open the door and didn't stop to breathe until her mother took her in her arms. Are you okay? What's happening? Why aren't you in school? We're supposed to be quiet, Fee. Shh, 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 we're supposed to be quiet. They sat on the couch in darkness, holding each other's hands. The lights had all been turned out. Down the street, there was the laughter of children. It sounded like the high keys of a piano, bright and mellifluous. They shouldn't be out, said her mother. Felicia held her breath and looked out the window. As her eyes adjusted, she saw a face in the window. Bright red hair collected in a savage mane, fungi gathered in chips of barnacles across her face. She was tall now, her head reaching the top of the window frame. She had grown so much that her eyes seemed abnormally small for her head, like black pinpricks. Her open mouth revealed dozens of sharp, translucent teeth. In the dark, she had the faintest glow, a greenish aura that pulsed slowly. I'm sorry, she thought. The words appeared within her just as if they were her own. I know. There were screams down the street, punctuated with the flute-like melody of a child's glee. Felicia gripped her mother's hand tight and they huddled together as they heard the children play. That was Carson Winters' We Can Only Grow in the Dark, as read by Jasmine Arch. Jasmine Arch is a narrator, writer, poet, and podcaster from a rural corner of Belgium with two horses, four dogs, and a husband who knows better than to distract her when she's fiddling with stories. Her work has appeared on The Other Stories, both as a writer and narrator, and in NewMyths.com, among others. Find out more about her or her work at jasminearch.com. Thank you, Jasmine. Well, children of the night, the hour is late and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Lessel Baxter, Paul Belcher, Amanda Carrillo, 
Amanda Gottfried, and Orion D. Hegra, whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks, like ad-free episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Podchaser, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating or review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Why not share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch? TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs, so you can show those around you just how twisted you truly are. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, Crystal Hammond, Spencer Desparty, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we're engulfed in apocalyptic fire with more... Tales to Terrify. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.